The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. It's eight minutes after eight. If you've just joined us, welcome to the show. The role of a municipal councillor is to serve and assist a community in which they've been elected. However, in recent years, it's become dangerous and even risky to have a career in politics. And due to the increased number of violent public protests, municipalities are now spending more and more money to protect councillors from angry and sometimes even violent communities. In essence, they need protection from the citizens they should be serving and some councillors are living in fear and have even armed themselves in order to protect themselves as our political reporter Angela Polawana found out in the past three years a special risk insurance for councillors has paid out 144 million rand for 344 claims for damaged property selection of candidates is always a tense process so it's not something new that you are beginning to see that uh, actually, it's not as intense as in the last elections. We are paying attention to those areas, but the result of the matter is that selection of candidates for council is always a life and death issue. NC Secretary General Gwede Mantashe speaking on the violence that tainted the candidates' councillor nomination process. But councillors risk death even after they are elected. Miriam Ramafuda, who was the ward councillor in Shawelo Sowetu, still has vivid memories of the risk associated with the job. And when they open here, one says, no, and other says, we don't care about the kids. Like enough, I was there with these kids. And then when they say that, they start opening, breaking the window and pouring the petrol to the car. I can see, because through the kitchen window, I can see what is happening in the garage. And the alarm starts. And then I don't have any option. We can't go out. If we go out, we don't know what is in their mind. It was in June 2011 when the community attacked Ramufula's house. They were angry that electricity meters had been installed in their homes. They were paying for blood. After the attack, Ramufula was given shelter at a hotel. However, she went back to her home. The city assigned five security guards, but it was a long time before she and her children felt safe. I still remember one time sleeping and then I just wake up running to the, the, to, to, to the window, feeling that here they have also have arrived. And then when I open the window, I find that there's no one. I'll go back and try to sleep. I can't. I will, that dream will come again. I'll end up cleaning the house during the night because I can't sleep. Ramfula's experience is not an isolated one. Some councillors are even arming themselves, like this councillor from Lusikisiki. The protesters came to me, they smashed my car, uh, they hit me with the knob carries and the stones. Apparently I was rescued by the police. And then what else they did, they opened the car, but then I was passing through them. They opened the door of my car, they tried to take out uh, from me my, 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 my shotgun, but they failed. They only managed to take out the, 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 the magazine. Did nothing, I did not point them. I have heard about the allegations, but all of them, they are absolutely false. Unfortunately for Ramufula, she has been left with rebuilding her home. Five years later, she has only now been able to rebuild some walls, but much more work remains. But following too many cases of this nature, councillors are now insured with Sathria against risks such as riots, strikes, civil commotion, public disorder and terrorism. 
Togozi Lentinga says while the insurance is available to everyone, there's a special facility for councillors which covers them for up to 1.5 million rand at 54 rand a year. Ntinga says most claims were mainly because of service delivery protests. Service delivery rights um, are, are the primary trigger of, of municipal uh, property damage and, and councillors' uh, property damage. That's really the main reason. So you find a community um, not happy with with uh, maybe service delivery or not happy with the mayor or demarcations. Then they go on a, on a rampage and they start damaging municipal property, halls, clinics, um, office blocks and stuff. And then they go on to mayors and councillors' houses as well, as well as their cars. The South African Local Government Association, SALGA, was the one that pushed for insurance for councillors. The organization says it has now championed a security clause in their contracts. Spokesperson Taisema explains. SALGA has successfully lobbied for the inclusion of a provision that allows councillors access to a personal security subject to an appropriate threat and risk analysis conducted by the South African uh, police services. Also, together with that, there are municipalities who have their own security services. Uh, They are required to uh, comply with the law or they can utilize the South African uh, police services uh, trained personnel. But Sanko's General Secretary, Kumbuzo Mpanza, says the issue between councillors and communities has become a vicious cycle because municipalities use money meant for service delivery to have security for these councillors. Now they have to sacrifice some of uh, the most important service delivery. Basically, that people need, uh, maybe you find that it will then cost you know, people to suffer in terms of uh, housing provision, uh, in terms of uh, maybe water provision, in terms of uh, collection of uh, refuse and all those things. Because now the budget has to be reallocated now to cater for the hiring of the In 2013, SASRIA processed 134 claims. The following year it was 133, but last year the number rose to 177. Salga is also engaging in a campaign to increase the salaries of councillors to 1.3 million rand a year. Currently, full-time councillors earn up to 832,000 rand, while part-time councillors earn up to 416,000. So far, no solution has been found on the vicious cycle of violence. That report by Angela Bolawana in Johannesburg. So on the Forum at 8 this morning, we ask, why are our elected representatives increasingly in need of protection? And joining us uh, for the discussion, we have Mr. Sianang Khatle, who is the executive manager in the office of the CEO at the South African Local Government Association, Salga. Thanks for coming through. Thank you, Sakina. Thanks for having me. And we also have Dr. Dale McKinley, spokesperson for the Right to Know campaign. Uh, Dr. McKinley, thanks for your time as always. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Now, let me start with you, Mr. Nkhatle. Why do councillors need protection from bodyguards? Uh, Good morning once again, Sakina, and good morning again to the listeners of SAFM. Um, Councillors are increasingly needing protection as a result of an unfortunate situation that we find ourselves in as a society. We're finding an increasing number of violence in many ways in our society. Counselors happen to be on the receiving end of one element, one manifestation of that violence that we're seeing across the board. Now we need to make sure that they do their job, they need to interact with their community, we don't want barriers when they interact with their community, 
But at the end of the day, when their lives are at risk, it is our duty as a country to protect them. And what is the process that you then embark on in order to determine? Because uh, surely you'll have to perform some sort of threat and uh, threat analysis to determine who is in need, who isn't, or is it just a blanket approach to this? Indeed, there is a process. It is certainly not a blanket uh, approach. Uh, a very limited number of councillors uh, are receiving this kind of protection in a city, an example of Etekwini, that has around 200 councillors, you find that, you know, about 20 or so what councillors in one particular year receiving this kind of protection. So indeed, it cannot be a blanket approach. Now, the process is that depending on the environment within which each councillor operates, um, the <coughs> excuse me, there is a security risk assessment that is done independently of the municipality by uh, the South African Police Services, uh, working together with crime intelligence services, and on a case-by-case basis, they assess that level of risk and then make the recommendations, uh, and then the security is provided on that basis. And if this costs uh, the taxpayer 36 million rand, as reported last year in the case of Echeguini, for those councillors that you've just mentioned, doesn't that become a bit of a liability? There's two ways to respond to that. Uh, On the one hand, at any given point, we need to be exceptionally prudent with public resources. So whenever we procure... These security services as well as any other services that we deliver as local government, we need to be prudent. So that's one one thing. I can't get into the merits of that particular amount other than to say that if it is deemed to be uh, exorbitant, then it must be dealt with it as such. On the other hand, um, when an individual needs protection against something of not their own doing, then I find it difficult to attach a rand value to the life of an individual. Uh, just using those very examples of the examples that, we, that we're reflecting on. It was interesting that protection was found, was being provided to councillors of a particular political party. And a councillor of the opposition, official opposition in that particular municip- municipality, came up front and said he is feeling very fortunate that he does not have to make that particular decision to allow or disallow this protection because, in his view, there's no ways that we can attach a rent value on somebody's life. Now, that for me demonstrated a level of maturity by those who are ruling as well as those who are in opposition to recognize the need for protection of those who are serving the communities, regardless of what the circumstances. But what does it say about the relationship between the elected uh, representatives and the constituencies that they serve if it becomes necessary for people to surround themselves with bodyguards? I mean, there was that controversial, ridiculous case of one of the mayors in Limpopo who had 27 bodyguards. How did that even pass the muster at municipal level to agree to pay for that? You know, how does this happen? Yeah. As I indicated earlier on, um, we need to be prudent in how we utilize public resources. Now, there are instances where some of the decisions are a bit over the top. Um, a bit? Where, 
27 bodyguards? Yeah, well, it might not even be that one incident alone. And I want mm-hmm. to talk about that in the context of all the others. You know, others might be that extreme, others might be less extreme. But without exception, whenever they go beyond what is necessary, that is a problem. And we have been very upfront that there must be consequences when there is such wrongdoings, when the, when the decisions um, cannot be accounted for. So there's no excuse for that. What I then want to go towards is that the security assessment shall therefore then determine the level of security that is required. Um, and, and that is fortunately an assessment that is not done by the municipality itself. It is done independently elsewhere and they just implement the recommendation. Have you uh, thought of doing any research into establishing why uh, those uh, security measures actually become necessary in the first place? There, there has been studies. Uh, I just don't have all the empirical figures with me now. Um, part of those studies uh, point to a, an issue I raised earlier on about the violence that we see in our society in general. I'm sure in your house you also have an alarm system. In your car you have an alarm system. You're looking around. You need to be vigilant as you walk around as an individual yourself. So does all other people in this country that we live in, which is a very unfortunate situation. We find protests in communities which are constitutionally protected. However, they have then manifested uh, into something that is not constitutional and which we shall not condone, which is violence. We have seen other forms of attack which others have interpreted as xenophobia, etc., etc. There are many, many reasons that have created the necessity for all of us in different parts of our society to find some kind of protection. Counselors are not exempted from that. It is in that context that ourselves as Salga and others in, a, in, in, in the partnership of, a, of, a, of, of government have recommended that counselors themselves, in the same way as everybody else, need to be protected so that they can be enabled to dispatch their responsibilities. So they need to be protected, and then um, insurance has to be paid uh, so that uh, their assets are protected as well. And all of this comes down to the coffers of the municipality in the end. Every employee in any company, if you get injured in the line of duty, if something were to happen to you here in the studio, it is the responsibility of the company to compensate or to find some way of ameliorating that uh, uh, challenge that has just happened to you. It's exactly the same for councillors. We have seen time and time again when their properties get destroyed, which we have then taken out the SARS rear insurance. We have seen time and time again reports in the media as well where the councillors now in their person get attacked either through being shot or other forms of attack in the line of duty. It is our collective responsibility to protect them. Dr. Dale McKinley, you've been listening to all of that. Um, and uh, what do you think uh, of this whole notion of um, our elected representatives increasingly in need of greater protection? What does that say about the state of the relationship between them and uh, the broader community? How, what do you read into all of this? Well, first, 
Sakina, thanks. Um, I, I don't think that it's correct to, to basically place this entire debate and, and discussion onto violent residents. The, the, the way that this is coming across is that, you know, we, we have violent residents that are threatening the lives of counselors, therefore they need protection, and that's, and that's the end of the story, basically. And, you know, in certain circumstances, there's clearly incidences of this, um, and uh, there might be uh, degrees of necessity for protection. But there's many, many questions that need to be asked. In the Etiquini municipality, for example, and in KZN in particular, what we've seen over the last four or five years particularly is the vast majority of bodyguards that have been assigned to councillors have not been because of violent service delivery protests, but have been because of intra-party or inter-party factional violence. In other words, threats to the lives of councillors from other political parties or from those that lost out, for example, in elections or because of corrupt deals that were being done and somebody has gotten the raw end of the deal. This is something that is uh, particularly, um, I think, quite widespread, not only in KZN, but across the country. Now, the question, therefore, is to ask, is should the taxpayers then be shelling out millions and millions of rands uh, for private, and we'll get to the issue of private bodyguards in a minute, against uh, their peers, in other words, against those, has nothing to do with service delivery, has nothing to do with governance, has nothing that has to do with factional violence. And this is something that hasn't even been mentioned and is particularly uh, the case in the last two or three years where we've seen a great deal of the violence that's happening, uh, to particularly to ANC councillors in, in KZN, as a result of intra-ANC violence. Um, in, in just three few weeks ago, we had a SACP member being killed by uh, internal alliance competition over resources and positions and power. So that's the one thing that gets completely left out of the picture. And the question is, should the taxpayers be paying for that? Um, the second thing is the privatization of this. The, the other question is, you know, we have a police services. We have VIP protection services. So, for example, and again, I'll use the Etiquini example. The exco of the Etiquini municipality debated this matter five years ago and in fact took a decision in 2013 that all protection services and all bodyguards should be intern in internally sourced from an expanded VIP protection services, not outsourced to private security companies. Because then we have a situation which has come to light in many different municipalities where politicians are going with their buddies who own security companies or they have shares in these security companies and hiring large amounts of bodyguards for counselors and then cut getting their take and getting a cut. So, for example, in, in Durban, in the Etiquini municipality, what we have is we have one, one particular security uh, company providing all 20, 22 counselors with bodyguards, up to, I think, 45 bodyguards from one company. Now, that's, there's massive amounts of questions about what's going on in the tender process, whether there's corruption involved there, and why is it that our own public protection services can't take care of this? That's another aspect of, of, the, of the debate that needs to come out. Um, and, and I think thirdly, it's the security assessments, in other words, the threat and, 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 and security assessments. The claim by Salga and many of the municipalities is that these get taken up by SAPs, by the police or the protection services. But in many cases, when you talk to the, uh, uh, some of the councillors and, and the residents there, um, nobody has ever seen any of these security analysis and threats. Uh, we, had the question, we had an issue of the Mikado mayor, for example, who spent some, I think, 300,000 rand a month on some seven or eight bodyguards uh, because they claimed that their lives were in danger. But there was no 
empirical evidence to show that that was the case, and they couldn't prove it. So we have a whole range of different questions here. It's not simply a matter of reducing this debate to someone's life's in danger. We have, a, a, you know, the public and the municipality has an obligation to protect that. In, in those circumstances where it's serious, where it's, where it's managed properly, where it's open and transparent, absolutely. But unfortunately, that does not seem to be the case with many, many cases. And that's why the questions are being asked as to wasteful expenditure of municipal funds. And we could go into specific examples, for, uh, for example, in Cleveland, where the local ANC councillor Robert Nzobe has still five bodyguards, four to five bodyguards, an armoured bulletproof vehicle that is costing 230,000 rand per month for the municipality. And the questions have been asked by the Cleveland's residents as to why this is the case. But uh, uh, Siani talks about consequences. And that, in fact, you know, when there's things that are going wrong, that people will be, uh, face consequences. But I haven't seen those consequences. I haven't seen any of these uh, security guards suspended or anybody brought in, uh, in, in front of court for corruption. So it doesn't seem as though there is the management and, and, and oversight that is necessary when things do go wrong. On the Forum at 8 this morning, we ask, why are elected representatives increasingly in need of protection in South Africa? Aubrey and PE, welcome. Yes. Councillors are taking uh, their communities for granted. You know, Sister, why is always about the leadership? We are also affected by this violence from these communities. Just yesterday, on our way to work, one of the vehicles of the guy that went to work was burnt down. We were thrown by bricks and stones, everything, burning tires. They say nothing about communities. They are failing their people. These people come to us now, we must give answers. They throw us, and they say nothing in the studio about us. These people are failing us, really, sister. We are losing our, our properties. They say nothing about the communities. The only thing they talk about is, uh, is about them and them, 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 them. These people do not go to these uh, uh, councillors' houses or even to the mayors. They attack us who are going to work. Thanks, sister. Thank you so much, uh, Aubrey and Port Elizabeth. Let's try Figile in Cape Town now. Good morning, Figile. Morning, Sakina. Thank you guys for taking my call. Sakina, good committed uh, councillors would never need bodyguards. The reason that they need bodyguards, as the other guys have said, they're very much ignorant and arrogant, and they not know they are not known by the what's called members of the committees. As a matter of fact, I'm challenging any councillor in around Kailita area because I'm doing their jobs, Sakina, and I'm not paying by them and even by the government. Also, what I do is whenever there's a problem with the lights, with the potholes, or it could be sewage, it could be anything like the bushes where some kids have been raped in the bushes. I'm the one who's actually reporting the matter, even to the national what's called ministers, like Nomfulom Mkonyana. Not only in the Western Cape, I do this only for the people in the Eastern Cape and around the country. I'm challenging any councillor, mostly in Kailita area. So these guys are very much arrogant. There is a councillor here in a Kailita area called P-Section. The lady, the lady is a PA councillor. She's way too much relaxed. See, she's got connection within with the with the criminals. She's way too much connected, but the council is not doing anything. She's not even known. So I know a lot of councillors that are actually not doing their job. Well, I mean, Sakina. So that's why these guys are actually attacking them. Okay, not doing their jobs. Says Fiele in Cape Town. Peter in Grahamstown. Good morning. Thank you, SK. Look, uh, I want to start with my bottom line. Yeah, um, I think I'd like to put the ball back in your court, the media.
because the problem is a very big one. And what I want to suggest that you do with your influence is that you embark on a program through the media to educate the people as to what is needed in a leader. Because we've got a very unhappy country, a very, a very sad situation where many precedents have been set, where only through violence of many forms, whether it's property uh, being burnt or tires in the street, do they achieve. And the situation is, is, is much deeper than that. It goes right into Parliament. When you look at what is happening in Parliament, we look at the leader of this country at the moment, and when he was uh, elected, I remember Clem Santa talking on radio, and he was very unpopular in what he said. He was p talking about how people should select a leader, and that is what the, if we want to have a better life for everybody, we've got to have a leader. Look at the situation in this country under Mandela. It was a very happy country, and uh, you've got a very big, uh, uh, powerful weapon in the form of the media. And what we need to do virtually daily is educate the people as to what is needed in a leader because you'll have, it gravitates right from the top. And if you have councillors who are elected purely because of their tribe or their, or their, um, uh, or their race or other, other factors, uh, you're going to have a very sad situation. And people must be held to account. Ah, oh, lost Peter there, but we got the gist of it. Sizwe uh, Eteguini, good morning. Yes, good morning, Sakina. Look, uh, while one understands if there, is a re if there are real security concerns uh, in relation to councillors, but I think particularly if you look into the phenomenon in Eteguini, for example, it is very clear that most of the cases where councillors' lives are, are threatened emanate from intra-party political problems, which means in most cases, people within political parties themselves, the ANC for example, people are fighting among each other. Then it places a, 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 a concern for me, why should the public be asked to pay for the security of councillors who are who, who, when their problems, when their threats emanate from within, why can't political parties be asked to take responsibility to secure their members? Another question is, we have the South African Police Service, which its main responsibility is to protect each and every citizen of this country. Over and above that, they have the VIP protection services. Why should municipalities put, use the money which is meant for, for services or, to, to secure councillors? Thank you so much, Siswe. Eddie in Woodendall's Riss, good morning. Thank you very much, ma'am. Um, let me first declare that uh, I served as a councillor for the past 18 years, although I'm no longer a councillor now. But I'm telling you, that's a good experience, and it's so, it's so nice to work with people. The, what is happening today, um, if you don't call your ward meetings, as one of your guests said, if you don't call ward meetings, and share gains and pain and challenges with the community. You will expect these kind of things. I don't think councillors need protection these days, although one understands that there are more challenges because people see this as a job uh, opportunity, and everyone wants, will, will want to be there. And the other thing that I just want to raise, you know, as a councillor, if, if you respect your constituency and if you take you know, the, their, their, um, their mandate and report it to council, I'm telling you, you will never have this, this problem. And the other thing, lastly, you know, uh, I'm, fr I'm from Velkom, Machabi Municipality. You know, some of the councillors, I must be honest, some of the councillors, they are, they, are, they are law unto themselves, so arrogant. How can you be a, a public rep when you are so arrogant? So those are the things that we, we, need, to, we need to share, especially 
We need, in this coming elections, we need to get competent people who will make sure that uh, in their respective wards or even the respective municipalities, there's a service delivery. Thank you so much. Eddie, uh, let's go to Port Elizabeth now. Temba, good morning. Good morning, Sakina. Sakina, excuse my voice, but I must have my say as an ex-councillor myself. One, I would uh, wish Salga institutionalized the public meetings uh, and ward committee systems in a form of law so that it can be put into the system of municipalities. It's no use for a council, ward councillor to hold meetings over and over, but you are not able to see the issues or concerns raised in that community uh, being processed into the council. Council has now to stop and institutionalize public meetings as some of the oversight structures that are supposed to be there. That's one, Sakina. Two, Sakina, councillors need security. They need security more than uh, the, the, the other uh, political uh, uh, leaders in, in other spheres of government. These are the people who conduct oversight on the implementation and quality of work in particular projects. And they should not be scared to condemn poor workmanship in projects because they know this contractor guy will come back to them overnight. These are the councillors who must sit in MPEC, Municipal Public Accounts Committee, who must look into corruption instances. And they must not be afraid that if I point out this, these officials will visit me at night. So councillors are doing their work. Of course, there are those that are lazy. But let's help them with the system. So in appreciating what Salga has done, please institutionalize public meetings so that the whole council can stand still in a quarter and attend to public meetings and support ward councillors. Not ward councillors holding public meetings in open spaces. Not ward councillors not having enough staff and material within his own operation, operational centre in the office. Those are the issues. Salga, let's appreciate you also. You are continuing taking councillors to various trainings. That is also assisting in enlightening councillors. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you so much. Uh, Temba, get well soon. Kolani and Mtata, good morning. Hi, Sakina. I think for me, I would like to put a recommendation to your guest here, who is cross Australia. Uh, well, maybe an intelligence to first ascertain what the other uh, speakers and your guest, the professor that I know, there's a professor, a doctor, about why, the question you were asking, why do they need security? Is it, like Caesar said earlier, it's an intra-party security that caused by the intra-party disagreements amongst themselves? The other thing that I would like, since that the councillors are also public uh, servants, why is this an Sasria uh, exclusive to councillors? What about the other employees of the, uh, within the public, the public in terms of securing the houses? Why shouldn't this be part of their package since they are paid uh, some of them a lucrative uh, salaries anyway? We, uh, we, some of us, we have to organize this on our own and we live in a high-risk society. Why this has to be more done through the municipality. Why can't it be done within their packages? 
Okay. Thank you so much, uh, Tlolani. Well, some really interesting issues raised uh, by our listeners there. Let me read uh, some of the others from Twitter and um, from our SMS line as well. Paniza Lutuli says, councillors need protection against their own party members contending for the same positions and privileges that are attached to those positions. Mamiki says, uh, being a councillor is an individual choice, no pressure from society, and if the councillor feels endangered, they are welcome to step down. Sanesi here says uh, it is linked to frustration based uh, on not up to satisfactory service delivery while they display a lifestyle of luxury. And Humoza says councillors want guards uh, not because they are influential, but simply because they aren't delivering and they want to be unreachable. Bonagele says uh, on the more bodyguard issue, they are afraid of karma. Uh, what they did will be done to them, so they need to protect their devious behavior. Sanilewela says infighting within organizations like in Nchanga and uh, the lack of service delivery is what causes the public to attack uh, these elected officials. Zanile Dubazana says uh, well the reason our local councillors tighten security is that they fear us as the community revolting against their incompetence and uh, Elias Chinemo says uh, some of these councillors are really corrupt and uh, that said they shouldn't be attacked or insulted, they must just be jailed. Uh, A few others from the SMS line, San says, uh, Umsatuzi municipality brought they bought three BMW X5s. Tires needed changing for security purposes. Three similar vehicles were hired because tires were not available. That is corruption. And this is uh, some of the reasons why people revolt. Sam in Pulukwane says, these councillors canvass for votes promising residents jobs, houses, roads, electricity, etc., knowing very well they can't deliver, and then they deceive the people. Minoshi says, how about protection for our police? Because councillors are eliminated by their own comrades. So a lot said there. Uh, let me start with you, um, uh, Siane. Maybe you want to respond first. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, I appreciate the extensive feedback because it is highlighting some very pertinent issues that we need to continue to address. Um, I guess moving on from uh, where I think there's a general sentiment that where there is violence, where there is a problem, then we need to do, we need to provide a certain level of protection. However, we also then need to move away from the need for for this protection. Try to eliminate it systemically as well. Um, I think there's quite a number of good suggestions that uh, uh, that were made. Temba, I think, Seasway uh, uh, in Etiquini, etc., who are talking about institutionalizing the mechanisms that we've put in place to ensure that we close the distance between the councillors and their communities. Mm. Secondly, we need to ensure that performance is increased at the institutional level, at the municipal level, as well as at the individual council level. There's been lots and lots of progress when you consider the, the number of services that have been delivered between 1994 and 2016. Um, but over and above that, we need to ensure vigilance and uh, prudent uh, utilization of our public resources. I want to come back to Sizwe's point where he t- spoke about um, the need perhaps for parties to foot the bill for the security of their councillors, saying that if this is intra-party, then, and, and, and if your threat analysis actually bears that out, isn't that a plausible solution to some of the problem here? where it can be proven that these are members of the same political party fighting one another, shouldn't that become the responsibility of the party as opposed to becoming the responsibility of the municipality? Political parties do indeed have a major role to play 
in ensuring that this doesn't happen. Whether they play that by ensuring or protecting their own people or just dealing with them. Some of those who are not doing correct things must be removed from the system. I think there is no excuse for that. However, those who are endangered in the line of duty for a myriad of reasons, it becomes the responsibility of the institution of the municipality, unfortunately. And the challenge of these kind of things, uh, like many other crimes, is that it becomes difficult to isolate the instances. Because when I have issues with you as my comrade in my political party, I'm not going to throw stones at you and say, I don't like you as a comrade, uh, and therefore I'm throwing stones. I'm going to mobilize, and what we've seen, we've mobilized communities, and they then throw stones under the auspices of service delivery then it becomes mm. categorized as a service delivery protest when in actual fact it is an intra-party challenge. And just a very brief answer to what Kolani was asking about uh, SASRIA, the uh, insurance cover for people who are not necessarily counsellors but who also may find themselves in uh, the, you know, some threatening situation because they work for the council. Yeah. Employees are covered um, in a different dispensation under their conditions of employment. We can uh, look at how those continue to be improved, but indeed where employees uh, are are found under risk, uh, maybe we should tighten that element as well. I think it's a good point. Dr. Dale McKinley, you know, Super kicked us off there, and it was interesting how not only him, but, you know, many of the subsequent callers spoke about uh, they, the councillors, immediately othering them, and also the fact that um, there seems to be a trend that people believe that councillors are arrogant, they are proud, and uh, they seem to have removed themselves from the people. Well, absolutely. I think uh, what the, the, the calls basically showed, that there is, uh, as I said at the beginning, this is a crisis of governance. Uh, it's a political issue as well. It's not simply a security issue. What we have is we have uh, um, the questions that are being asked here is why is it that uh, whether it's political parties themselves or municipalities, why are they protecting incompetence? Why are you protecting corruption? Why are you protecting egality? And when you don't have the mechanisms to deal with these things in a democratic way, in other words, through dialogue, through meetings, uh, and and counselors are not available, and counselors are very arrogant and dismissive, then you're 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 basically creating the conditions for conflict and division. But beyond and above that, I think what must come back into this, and what many of the callers were asking, is why is it that we have a, a situation where the police themselves, which are the the institution that is is going to protect the public, why is it that they are not the ones that are, are given this mandate um, and that we're, that we're spending huge, huge amounts of money on this unnecessarily when, in fact, uh, that's part of the problem as well. So I think the, the other thing I just wanted to leave callers with is that I think we have a fundamental problem about how public service is being approached. We have a situation where, in fact, local councillor positions are now about how much you're going to get, who's going to get the power. And people are fighting and killing each other about these things as opposed to servicing the community. Unless we change that mentality, unless the political parties themselves, and particularly the ruling party, which is the dominant one, begins to bring their their councillors to book and begins to make them accountable, this is going to get worse because people are going to get angry and frustrated. Those corrupt elements are going to get the gaps to make use of this uh, situation. And the only antidote to that is to crack down on this corruption, to to basically make people accountable, to have mechanisms of transparency, and to basically take the public into the confidence. Then councillors will will have a day when councillors, they might disagree with their communities, there might be arguments, but it won't resolve in, in, in violence.
Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time this morning. I'm going to leave you with this one from David Hugh, who says, if these representatives actually serve their communities, those very communities will actually protect them.